in chapter 15 and 16, especially chapter 16 is full of greetings. So most of chapter 16 I will skip except one or two verse, couple of verses. But I'll focus on chapter 15 this morning. And uh, let's go to verse 1, chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Now look up here. The Bible says, you who are strong, you have an obligation. Everybody say obligation. In other words, you and I have the responsibility to do what? To bear with the failings of the weak. In other words, to tolerate the failings of the weak. Now notice the Bible didn't say we have the obligation to tolerate sin. We don't have any obligation. In fact, we should not tolerate sin, meaning they should not allow sin to overcome us so that we would suffer the consequences of sin because the Word of God says sins lead to death. It always leads to death. But that we have the obligation to tolerate or to bear the failings of the weak. What it means is this, is that there are Christians in this church. There are people in this church that, that had come maybe for one week, one day, one month, two months, ten years. They are still struggling with the certain things in their lives. It is your responsibility and it is my responsibility because he said it is our obligation to bear with them. Don't judge them. Don't condemn them. Don't try to fix them. But just love them and tolerate or bear with their struggling. Because the truth is both you and I have also gone through a period of struggling. We've not, we haven't always been all saints, all victorious. And I, I can certainly, uh, I certainly believe that most of us here are still struggling with something in our lives in secret or whatever but don't feel condemned about it I just want you to know that we're not here to judge you or condemn you I'm just telling you that we all have weaknesses and it is our obligation to bear with the failings of the weak so when people come into this church one of the things that we tell the people in this church is please don't judge people please don't condemn them don't judge them with your words don't judge them with your looks don't judge them with your behavior but love on them them. Let them feel comfortable. You say, how can you let sinners feel comfortable? Well, Jesus certainly did. Only religious people make, make, make sinners feel uncomfortable. In fact, they want to stone them. And that's why sinners love to hang out with Jesus. You say, well, you know, that, that's not true because Jesus is here to destroy sin. Yes, He's here to destroy our sin. He's not here to destroy people. Are you here this morning? So it is our obligation, your obligation, my obligation to bear, to tolerate the, the, the strugglings, the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now in context, you know, chapter 15 is actually a connection from chapter 14. If you were here last week, we spoke about chapter 14 is in, in, in about how Christians, we have, to, we have to please other believers. We're not living on our own. You know, if you are vegetarians, you know, don't try to force everybody to be vegetarians. If you like to eat your, you know, beef and steak or whatever, don't try to force everybody to try to eat your beef and steak. If you love seafood, shellfish, you know, there are people that they're struggling with the idea of the freedom that you you enjoy, don't try to impose it on them and cause them to be, a, uh, to, to be stumble and do, don't want to be a stumbling block because the kingdom of God is not about food, it's about what? 
Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. So don't, don't contend, don't struggle about food and so forth. And so this, in context, this is a continuation of that thought. Is that we are to be strong, strong in faith to believe that you have all the freedom in the world. But you have an obligation to bear or tolerate with the failings of the weak. Those who are just struggling, they just don't understand. They don't understand your freedom. And, and, but that, that's the context. But generally, this is also true. Is that whatever feelings, whether it's food, whether it's whatever sins you are struggling, whatever things you're struggling, let us learn how to, uh, how to bear with one another and tolerate one another. Now verse 14, sorry, verse 2, Paul said, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. You know, your job and my job is not to put people down. I just pray that every single time when people come to this church, by the time they leave here, they'll be all lifted up. Rather than feeling all condemned, guilty, you know, I feel so inadequate, I feel so not good enough. I want to pray that God will enable every single person in this house have the anointing to be able to lift people up. And every time they come in here, by the time they leave here, they'll be so excited. They'll be so happy. They'll be so joyful because not just one, not just two, not just a preacher, but everybody they run into, able to lift their soul up, able to lift their heart up, rather than making them feel guilty, sorry, inadequate, not good enough. Can we be committed to that? Can I hear an amen? Half the people. Can we commit to that, everybody? Hallelujah. So let's be committed. After the service, when you're in fellowship, looking for ways how you can lift people up. For example, you come to see me, it's like, oh, Pastor Paul, you're so handsome. That will lift me up. <laughs> oh, I noticed that little nice curve on your arm, Shandai, hallelujah, oh, nice. That will lift me up. You see, that's so shallow. I don't care. Just lift people up. Hello, are you here this morning? Come on. You know, you sit oh, I love your shoes, so beautiful, you know. Then it feel good? Then it lift you up? It does, right? Come on. You know, you, what, what, you, you, you talk to someone, you know, and, and you say, I noticed your wrinkle had disappeared. You see, that's a lie. Well, you know, yeah, maybe don't do that, you know, that's a lie, yeah. <laughs> but think of a way to lift people up. Can I never have an agreement? So when people leave here, they ought to know that they are loved by God. They know that, they're, 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 that God has a purpose for them, has a destiny for them, has a future for them. And God wants them to live in amazing victory, victory over sin, over sickness, over whatever struggle, financial, whatever in their lives, that they'll be full of confidence in Christ Jesus, full of joy and hope. Amen? Verse 3, for Christ... Did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. What does that mean? It means that Christ, for the sake of us, to please us instead of himself, he took on all the blames. He took on all the blames. He took all your sin, everything that, you know, my family, we love to watch this show. Um, I'm not going to tell you the name of the show, but it's a, it's a, it's a clandestine spy show, you know. It, it, you know five, we've got five seasons on Netflix, you know, so we kind of binge watch, watch sometimes, you know, sometimes I regret it. And uh, it's this amazing spy show. We, we love to watch it, and, and this spy master is the, one of the main guys, you know. And uh, he, he, he really, he, he, he loves his daughter, 
you know, and daughter doesn't know that it's a father, you know. But he loves his daughter, always try to protect her. And, uh, and this daughter had, had done something in the past. In fact, murdered somebody, sh- killed someone, but she couldn't remember anymore because his father trying to shield her from her memory. And, uh, the, and his father s- said to her that, you know, every, every now and then, you know, in society, you need some kind of sin eater so that people can be free, be free from their past guilt and past judgment and condemnation so that they, they can live a normal life. And her daughter realized after that this person, she hasn't realized it's a father yet, but this person has been a sin eater for her. Wow. You know, Jesus is the sin eater for all of us. Are you here this morning? He'd eaten all your sin so that you can live free without condemnation, without judgment. Sometimes we feel horrible that we got blamed for something we didn't do. Hello. Have you been there before? You got blamed for something you didn't do. Next time, be glad to become a sin eater for others. Is that good? Some of you are not too sure. I don't know. You know, sometimes we want to take people to court, right? We want to take our brothers and sisters to court. Now, if it's outsider, go and take them to court because they're outsider, right? The Bible never says anything about taking outsiders to court. But brothers and sisters, we shouldn't do that because we will be judging angels, the Bible says. So we shouldn't be taking people to court. And Paul the Apostle, when he talked about that, he made a very profound statement. He said, would you not rather be wrong? Would you not rather be wrong? We always want to be right. We always want to be the one that have all the right answer. We always want to be the one on the right. But Paul the Apostle said, would you rather not be wrong? I want to encourage you. You know, be like Jesus. You know, don't please yourself. Take on the reproach of others. You know, verse 7. Therefore... Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome everyone, all sides, shapes, and forms. You may not like their, orient, their sexual orientation. You may not like the lifestyle they have. Don't tolerate the sin. Don't say it's okay. Don't say anything. Just love people. Are you here this morning? Now, I want to tell you a story. There was a pastor's wife and pastor's mother now, she, they have a pretty big church in Texas, you know. <laughs> Go figure that out. There's a lot of big churches, by the way, in Texas. And uh, we were having dinner, and she was sharing about an experience she had about welcoming people that are unbecoming or, uh, or don't dress appropriately. So we're having dinner. She said, you know, I usually pan across the congregation before the service starts to see who is here, who is not here. According to her husband, you know, she seems to be remember everybody's name. So he couldn't remember anybody's name. Like me, I can't remember your name. Some of you, you've been here for a while. I can't. <laughs> who are you? You know, so don't be offended. It's not you. It's me, okay? It's me, okay? I need healing. Shaka, right? But, you know, anyway, she remembered everybody's name. And so she pan across and she saw this young lady that she'd never seen before. And she had this shorts that's so, so uh, skimpy. It, it looks like an underwear. You know, so short, right? Have you seen those, right? Anyway, so you know, in Texas, it's hard, you know. So she had that short on. And, and then she had that, that clothes on that, you know, it's quite revealing, really. It's like, it's, it's not clean too, whatever, right? And um, so she was so mad. She said, I'm just going to go over there. 
and just going to tell this young lady to have some respect when they come to the house of the Lord. Because it's not the right thing. This is, this is inappropriate. So she was making her way across, you know, it's a bit of a walk. She said that as she was walking over towards her, all that she wanted to say started to change. The Lord started to change her mind. And by the time she got to this woman, everything that she had planned to say never came out. But what she came out was, hello friends, hello sister, I'm so glad you have come and joined us today. And she gave her a hug. And then welcome and then walk away. The very next week, she saw this young lady again. Same outfit. She's like, I thought the Holy Spirit would have convicted her, transformed, changed her. My husband or my son is such a great preacher, you know. Why? Why did she change? So she was really mad. She was, a, you know, she was walking, making her way over to her. And this time she was really going to tell her that she should not dress that way. Well, first time it's okay. But she ought to know. She ought to be respectful in the house of God. Hello. Don't we use that term all the time? And she got over there. And she saw this lady was so happy with tears in her eyes seeing things, seeing, uh, seeing her coming over. And she went and hugged her. She said, thank you so much for welcoming me last week. Because many churches had rejected me. This clothes that I wear, they couldn't accept me because that's the only thing I own. You know, today she's still serving God in that church. But you know, they, they organized, and eventually she got saved, and she come from a very battered uh, background, and, and she got saved, and, and, and she, she, she was part, she's now part of the church. Now, this, this pastor's wife, mother, whatever, she was telling us the point of the whole story is that you can never judge a person on the surface. Unless you walk in a mile of that person's shoes, you and I have zero zero reason to trust to to judge other people and let's not do that because you don't know what's going you can you cannot you cannot see the invisible what's going on in the background because a lot lots of things are happening in the background that's a lot more than what you see on the surface so let us welcome everybody say welcome welcome everyone welcome them to the house of God they may have done something wrong to you you know the other day I was I was just praying, you know. I felt the Holy Spirit say, the wave is coming. The wave is coming. The wave is coming. Just get ready. Right? So we've been praying in the Spirit, whatever. I felt the Holy Spirit, the wave is coming. The wave is coming. You know, every now and then over the last 20 years of this church, there's been a small wave. And then it been a little bit middle wave, right? And then small wave, you know, uh, the move of God. And I, and I just sent in my spirit, the wave is coming. And then I thought of me saying, um, you know, those people who left this church, they're going to come back and enjoy this wave. And then my flesh said, well, that's not fair. My flesh, eh? My flesh is so evil, gosh. Oh, cleanse me, heal me, hallelujah, shaka, right? You know, but, but the Holy Spirit said, would you allow those who had even hurt you and offend you to enjoy this new move? There will be people that offended you, that say bad things about you, and hurt you deeply, we ought to welcome them in spite of. Yes? Can I hear an amen? Can I have an agreement? We're going to welcome them and love them. You know, not as this I told you so kind of attitude, but just to love on people. Let's welcome everyone. Let them feel like as though they have done 
nothing wrong. Is that great? Come on, let's praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Do you know that our faith is all about joy? Our faith is all about peace. Our faith is all about hope. This place ought to be full of joy, full of hope, full of peace. Not guilt and condemnation, not sadness, not burdening on people, feeling guilty and feeling oppressed. This place ought to be a joyful place. And therefore, every single one of us, we are agents. Everybody say agents of joy. You know, you're agents of joy, you're agents of peace, you're agents of hope. What does that mean? Which means that you carry the expression of joy, you carry an expression of peace, and you carry the expression of hope. When people talk to you, they got to they gotta feel joyful. They got to go, oh, oh, I'm so happy I've talked, I've spoken to them. Have you met those people that you talk to them? After you've spoken to them, you feel so joyful, you know, because they're so happy. You could be so sad, you know, coming into the church, and you bump into all those bubbly people. You know, there are few of those in this church, right? They're so bubbly, they're full of joy, you know. It's not like life is always 100% perfect. I know their life is 100% perfect because I know about their struggle. I know about the contention they have. Like all human beings, we all have different contention. But the fact that they continue to put on this amazing bubbly joy and peace and hope, it really encourages other people's hearts. I want to encourage all of us to have the same attitude. Is that whatever you're contending with, put on joy. When you come into this house, put on peace. When come into this house, put on hope. May people find you joyful and peace and full of hope, not full of sorrow, you know. How you doing? Oh my goodness, horrible week, you know. You, just, you say, oh, I'm trying to be honest. You know, I don't want you to be honest. I want you to be full of faith in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You say, I don't feel it. But feeling is feeling. Feeling is not faith. Feeling is just feeling. You know, our feeling is often a reaction to the physical environment because our faith often is hooked on the physical environment. The Word of God says that what is visible is always temporary. What is invisible, that's what is eternal. In other words, you want your joy to last, make your joy hooked onto something that is invisible, something that cannot be, be manipulated by the devil, something that cannot bring disappointment to you, but let your faith be hooked on the Word of God, the promises of God, so things that is invisible, then your joy will always stick around, your peace will always stick around. You know, we always react to the circumstances, right? I react to circumstances. The other day I was praying for something before the Lord, you know, and I got mad at God. <laughs> We've all been there, right? Yeah, I know you've been too. Don't just look at me funny, right? So, we, you know, we pray. I pray, God, you know, help, and nothing happened. I was so mad. So I went into all this the whole, whole, whole 20 minutes of, of just being mad at God as if, you know, I could manipulate Him to care, right? So I was mad. You know, how, how could you do, you know, your word is not true, you know? Like why, you know, I was, I was specific, I was thinking about prayer, you know? You know, we always say you have to have patience, you know? We believe in God, it will come to pass. I say, why? What's the point of waiting, Lord? Come on, man. What's the point? Why don't you just answer me right now? What's the point of waiting forever? What's the point in all that? So I was having a little debate with God. 
And you know, I was really upset because this week I've been having such breakthrough, you know, breakthrough in the spirit, praying in the spirit, you know, stop vision. You know, it's just amazing week, right? And then Thursday comes, some just 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 wrecked my my week. All the victories just went out the door. And I felt so defeated. I felt like I'm not joyful anymore. And I heard the father say, What's wrong, son? I said, You're not answering my prayer. And say, you are hooking your joy, your hope, and your peace in the visible. And because of that, that is your vulnerable spots for the devil to attack. Every time when you hook your faith on something that is visible, you are having an open season for the devil to ruin your joy, your peace, and your hope. If it doesn't happen, we react to it. If things go bad, we react to it. Why? Because we have been hooking our faith on what is visible. And besides that, even if it's great, it's always just temporary. I always, I, you know, oftentimes, you know, sometimes I'll drive, and then I have happiness that week, you know, because things are so doing so fine. You know, everything was great. I'm in love with my wife. You know, it doesn't happen to street. Sometimes you, you fall, fall out of love when you kind of argue, right? You know what I mean? Come on, work with me, okay? You just kind of fell out of love. Your emotion told you. But, you know, you know, but some week it's like everything is so good. Oh, I'm in love. I love my wife. We had such a good hug this morning. And my kids is, you know, my son is, is doing great in school. And, and, you know, my daughter is doing great in school. They're healthy. I'm healthy. And, you know, I just finished working out. feel like I, my muscle is growing. You know, just, just things are going well. The very next week, almost on the same day, it could be the complete opposite. You know, I just had a big argument with my wife. Oh, my goodness, you know, Lord, why did you give me this wife, you know, this sort of thing, right? <laughs> but do you realize that if our faith is hooked on what we see physically and experience physically, is always prone to destruction, distraction, and confusion, hurt, and chaos. Our peace will not be eternal. Our joy will, be, no, no, will not be eternal. We'll be nothing like, we, we'll be like the world. We'll be like the world. And the world always have this roller coaster kind of emotional reaction. But I pray that God will give you joy, peace, and hope as your faith is hooked onto something that is invisible, which is permanent. Amen. Now let's go to verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, talking about the believers in Rome, you know, by my brothers, that you yourself are, number one, full of goodness. Everybody say full of goodness. And number two, filled with the knowledge, filled with all knowledge. Everybody say filled with all knowledge. And able to instruct one another. Let's say able to instruct one another. Now this is, this is what it is. Do you know that our Christian life is not all just, you know, good feeling, you know, good show and good, good praying in the Spirit, you know, for a long time you feel the victory, you know. Our life must be full of goodness. Everybody say goodness again. You and I ought to be agents of goodness. You know why? Because God said it is His goodness that leads to repentance. It's really interesting in Acts chapter 10 verse 38. You don't have time to turn it. Don't worry about it. It's a belief that I, I'm quoting the right scripture. The word of God said that Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Ghost who went about doing what? Good. And healing the sick. That's two different things. Jesus went about doing good. 
Do you know that when you come and serve in the church, you're doing good? The people just want to go to church and just, oh, just feed me, entertain me. I mean, praise God. I'm glad we can do that for you. And I'm glad that we can be a, a source of blessing to you. I'm not going to keep doing it. But you know, your Christian life will be so much more fuller when you become an expression, expression, excuse me, of the goodness of God. You're the agents of the goodness of God. Because it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. I want to encourage you to become the agent of the goodness of God. Tell people about the goodness of God. How good He has been to you, to your family, to your children. Oh, you know, yeah, I don't have any family children, but how good it has been to you that He spared you from the, from the, from the headache of having a family. You know, I'm just joking. You didn't get that. Don't worry. That's what Paul says, you know. That's what Paul says, you know. I guess my punchline didn't really work. Nobody laughed. But not only full of goodness, you know when you know, uh, David, David Wong, he's having this compassion group. I'm really excited about that. I think you should take time to go down there. I want to encourage my children, you know, to go down and just, just feed the poor. Just, just feed the poor because that's goodness, yeah? Just, just be good to other people. It's not all about us, our mortgage, our career, our children, our family. I mean, they're all great. But at the end, you want your life to be richer be the expression of the goodness of God, both here in this church and outside the church. Amen. And the Bible says that, you know, Paul was so pleased with the, the believers in Roman because they were filled with all knowledge. Wow. And that's why it's important to grow in the Word. Grow in knowledge. I'm still growing every day. I'm still learning new things every day. I say to the Lord God, by the time I reach 120, 119, because I believe I can live up to 120, right? So by the time I reach 119, I still want to grow. Do you know how to stay young? You know, here it is, the wisdom of old. Is to keep learning. If you keep learning, your mind will always be on the alert all the time. There are people that are just waiting to dine in some of the old folks' home because they stop learning. There's nothing you can teach them. They'll tell you, been there, done it, got a t-shirt for it. Right? You know, I, I, I love to help some of the young pastors in the city. In fact, our church helps some of the young pastors just plant churches to fi finance some of the church plants in the city. We're involved in that. And every now and then I'll, pick, I'll, I'll call them out for coffee, you know. And you know, some of those pastors, they just, they just thought, oh, okay, he, he just wants some report about what we're doing, about our ministry. You know, that could not be further from truth. I actually bring a notepad with me to write notes. I want to learn from them how they could have such amazing ministry. I think I can learn from the younger people. Some of those guys in their 20s, my goodness, they got ideas that's coming out of their ears that I've never heard of. It's amazing. I was like taking notes. Oh, shaka. I have learned more from younger people in the past two years than I ever learned before. Pursue knowledge. Pursue knowledge, especially the knowledge of the Word of God. And not only pursue knowledge, because knowledge in of itself puffs up. It makes you proud. You have all the knowledge, all the revelation. So what? You know, that's why we have a lot of Christians, you know, have all this knowledge. Can have, have, have a big debate about theology, big debate about this, that, and the other thing. But you know what? They never allow those knowledge to flow out to teach others, to instruct others. They're like a dead sea. And so they puffed up. But if you have knowledge, if you've grown, teach others. Some of you have been Christian for one year. You can actually start a small group. 
You say, I, I, I don't know. I know the pressure of starting a small group because you're worried about attendance, right? Oh, what if nobody shows up? So what? You know, Pastor Marlies and Umberto had a cell group that they, only them show up. When they first got started, you know, they prepare all the food, you know. Oh, that's so disheartening. I know exactly how it feels. I have churches that only me preaching to myself. I have seriously, it's, it's disheartening. But it's okay, just, just venture out. Just, just have the desire to teach others, to raise others, to share your knowledge with them, you know, to uplift them, to transform them. Amen? All right, verse 19. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Watch this. In this church, you've heard it many times. Miracles, signs, and wonders are not an optional thing or good to have things. The day miracles, signs, and wonders stop and doesn't move anymore, I'm going to pack my bag and go home. Because these are the proof of what we preach is true. That's scripture. You see, the Bible says that, that you know, God confirm or affirm the words even of Jesus with signs and wonders. So yeah, I'm pursuing healing all the time. I'm pursuing miracles all the time. I can't, you know, every time I hear a miracle, every time you tell me a miracle, you know, Angelo, you run into my office and tell me that your eyes were healed. It affirmed to me that this house, this house got the presence of God. That what we preach is true. When you tell me that when I pray for you, you know, the other day you didn't share that part that really encouraged my heart. You just missed it. That's okay. I'll forgive you, right? Anyways, so he called me up. He called me up. And he said, oh, you know, dying, right? And I just said, in Jesus' name, I seated at the right hand of the Father and now command the pain to go. And what did you say? Psst. So it's gone, right? Now it came back. I don't know. Maybe he was fooling around, whatever. But just, no, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. So he, <laughs> so he was healed. Do you know what, did, what it did to me? I, he called me. He usually calls me in the middle of my prayer. Please don't do that. You know, call me in the middle of my prayer. And I, I picked up the phone and I just, I just needed to get rid of him. So I said, okay, in Jesus' name, you don't be healed. And he's gone. And after I hung up the phone, he said, how did you do that? How did you do that? You know, I was so happy. I was super charged because it affirmed to me. That what I preach is in the will of God. It affirms to us that what we preach is in the will of God. And we are preaching the word of God. So miracles, signs and wonders is not a show. It's for people like me and for people like you. When we go to a church, if there's no signs and wonders continuously flowing, we have the reason to say, hey, am I in the right place? Because at the end of the day, words are so empty, shallow. You talk to talk, you know, I mean, you know, if you want to have good order, uh, orator, uh, giving a speech, go listen to Obama. He's an amazing orator. No, no, I'm no, don't be political here. I'm just saying he's an, I still sometimes watch YouTube of his speeches. Like, oh, this guy is amazing the way he talks. I enjoy it. You know, I may not enjoy his policy, whatever, but, I, you know, but the house of God should be beyond more than just blah, 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 blah. It means nothing. We need miracles. We need signs and wonders. Can I have an agreement this morning?
Come on, amen. Now let's finish with this, chapter 16. The worship team can come up. Okay, there are a lot of verses in chapter 16, but I'm going to focus on 17 and 19. Okay, let's look 17. So a lot of greetings in all the saints from, from Rome to different places. And first 17, chapter 16, part of us say, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Do you know that there are people that will always come into churches to bring division? And I said it last week and I'm going to say it again. If anybody wants to come and gossip to you about whatever, in Jesus' name, I authorize you and deputize you to tell them to shut up. This is not a place for gossip. If you want to talk about bad things about people, you shouldn't come here. I love you anyway. So when you stop doing that, please come back. Please come back. But you know, but you know, I, 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 I think it's better that we don't have people to cause division. You know, there was a group of people that left the church and, and a lot of people were concerned. And in my heart, I was so sad because I loved them so much. They're so amazing. But I know that they were every Sunday, after Sunday, they would sit around and they would criticize the preaching. They, they just, oh, you know, he's a permissive preacher, it's wrong, you know, they just want to be like Hillsong, blah, 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 I mean, whatever. And I loved them, I, I never wanted to leave, and, and decided to leave, in my heart I have a bit of a joy in me because now I don't have to contend for that. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to contend for that. I remember there was this young lady, she was so excited to serve in the Joe Osteen crusade. All pumped up. Started coming to church about a year ago when she moved from, from another city to come here. And then we were organizing it, people all getting ready. And then she ran into this fella who always criticized. An hour into the conversation, she disappeared, never came back to church again. And she didn't, she didn't report to her duty during the crusade. I said, what happened? She was told that Joe Osteen is heretic. And so, blah, 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 blah. And you know, it hurts me. It hurts me. I just want to encourage you, do not bring division to this house. If you disagree with what I say, I love you anyways. But please don't bring division. You know, no two Christians can ever agree 100% on doctrines. Do you know that? No two Christians can ever agree 100% on doctrines. I don't care how close you are with your family. Like even my wife and I, we have some doctrinal issues that we need to resolve. It's true, you see. And I'm the pastor. Like, submit, woman. You know, it's, no, I'm just joking, right? But you know, we, I understand that. I understand. I'm not going to force everybody to agree with me doctrinally. But we have many things we can agree on and celebrate. That is Jesus his grace, His love, His hope, His joy, His word, His healing, His blessing, His prosperity. We can celebrate all that because we agree on all that. Whether, you know, the 10,000 angels drunk, uh, dancing on the tip of a needle or 2,000 angels, who cares? Right? Let's not worry, allow small things to bring battles and wars among us. And let's not gossip 
with one to, to one another. Verse 19, let me close with this. For your obedience is known to all, so I rejoice over you, but I want you to be, check this out, wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. When I was youth, you know, we used to listen to this song that Bob Fitz used to sing. If you don't know who Bob Fitz is, who cares? It's not important. He said, you know, he had this song. It's like a, it's a rap song. It's like a rock and roll rap, whatever. You know, Roman 16, 19 say, be excellent is once it's good. Be innocent of evil. You know, Roman 16. No, no, youth group, we used to sing that, right? And uh, that's another translation. But the whole point is that actually had, had, had carved an eternal uh, impact on my mind and in my spirit is that we have to be wise in another translation say we have to be excellent in what is good what is good whatever is good be excellent at it whether it's is 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 good in ministry giving loving people be absolutely stunning at it whatever you do that is for the lord that is good just don't do it half-heartedly be in excellence. You know, a lot of people criticize this church about wanting to be excellent. Man, we invest things, money to do things that most churches of our size would never, never want to do because they say it's a waste of money. But I'll tell you this, I am absolutely a buyer of excellence. I'm fully convinced that whatever we decide to do, it must be done in excellence. No compromise, no whatever, no, no second class, no, no B rating, but excellent. Everything we do, if we decided to put our hands on, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be top of the line. It's got to be this, just the best. That we have to do. But we ought to be innocent to what is evil. Be innocent. You know, in churches, I often say when I was a youth pastor, I tell people, this is how you survive in some of the churches that we have because it's very political. Churches are like gossip political, right? Not here. We're good, right? But you know, I, I said, I, I know of one person that really taught me how to survive. It's, it's really to play dumb. Play dumb. Be innocent. Oh, you know, uh, so-and-so, you know, I, uh, I saw him did this. Be innocent of that. Oh, really? Even if you know, play dumb. I, I don't know. And change the topic. Be innocent of what is evil. Some of us have allowed ourselves to expose to evil on television, on things that we don't necessarily need to allow ourselves to be exposed to. In the name of knowledge, sometimes we just expose ourselves to things that we shouldn't. I mean, there's no condemnation to that. But once you've seen it, you cannot kind of erase it out of your mind. It's there forever. But the Word of God says, be innocent as to what is evil. All the evil stuff that's going on out there, be innocent. The Word of God says that we ought to be like child. You know, a child is really innocent. I love children. You know, uh, in a worship service, you know, uh, in the summertime, you know, today it's like... A lot of people going out somewhere, you know, where are they? But, you know, sometimes, you know, I see lots of kids. Some of the kids just running around here this morning. Some of them running run here. And his son, you know, sometimes can run into the stage. No fear. Just no fear. Right? I love that. That's so, he didn't come out here to be proudful, to be prideful. He didn't come out here to, to show up. He, 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 he just, he just want to have a good time. And we should have that innocence in us. Amen. Be innocent of what is evil. Don't go exposed. Young people, let me tell you this. Keep your innocence. 
I love my daughter the other day. She was, you know, we were talking about independence, right? And uh, I was thinking, you know, how to be independent. He said, Dad, okay, I'm going to be independent, but I will always be thinking like a child. I'm going to be as innocent as a baby all the time. I'll always be that. I'll always like candy. I'll always like chocolate. I'll always want to have fun. I'll always like to be innocent. I say, come on. Sometimes we can't wait to grow up, some of the young people. I tell you this, when you grow up, it's ugly. Be innocent. Would you please stand?